Are you a scaling SaaS founder? Ready to make the leap from leading a team to leading an organization? Join us each week as we refill your think tank with actionable tips and strategies from great business minds and those who don't know yet. This is SaaS Fuel with your host, five-time entrepreneur, SaaS founder, and globetrotting adventurer, Jeff Maines. Welcome back to the SaaS Fuel Podcast, where ambition meets action. That's where the abstract becomes concrete, marking the beginning of real progress and impact. I'm your host, Jeff Maines. Out B2B SaaS founders like you grow from traction to scale. Here, growth is more than just about numbers. It's about crafting a future-proof company, premium valuation, and leaders who build a business of significance while living epic, adventurous lives. Today, let's debunk a myth. It's one that I hear at least once a week, and last week was no different. Seven Coffee with a SaaS leader, and we we're talking about their growth in 2023. It was a very respectable 53% and 10% profit, golden ratio, it's like check, solid year. And over the last six months, they've been trying to build a sales team with kind of mixed results. And once again, I heard the myth, I'm just not good at sales. And that's it. There is some perception out there that you need to be born with a silver tongue and nerves of steel to succeed in sales. And that's simply not true. Many of the most impactful entrepreneurs started off doubting their ability to sell. It's not about some innate talent. We're not born with it. It's about the journey. It's about personal growth and a solid strategy. Across the street was the green coffee company sign. And I had to share that story. Most of you have heard the story of Howard Schultz, the force behind Starbucks. Now, he didn't start that with a bold vision of creating a coffee empire. Initially, he was a salesman for Xerox, and then his clients hired him away, and this happened a few times. Sales-related type jobs, I and mean, often dealing with rejection. And one of those clients, he's selling coffee machines and was recruited away by this company called Starbucks. I used to think that he actually founded the company, but they had four locations when they brought him in. And in his role, he traveled and, and developed a passion for the Italian espresso culture and came back and, and was really excited about it, tested the concept here in the States and did pretty well, but struggled to get any investors. Starbucks was like, yeah, it's going to cost way too much. We're never going to make any money. So he decided to make a go of it himself. And Starbucks and the, the ownership there put up about a third of the investment that he needed. This stuff was really expensive. I was really surprised how expensive the equipment was. And he met with investor after investor to raise the other two thirds, 242 of them, no, 217 times, no. Lame excuses, weak capital. And despite numerous rejections and obstacles, he transformed a little bitty Seattle coffee shop into an international phenomenon. And they're all over the world. Now I can go anywhere, pretty much anywhere in the world. And, and there's a Starbucks. It's not the best coffee, but it is coffee and you can find them. It's maybe a little bit predictable. So that's, that's something, but it built an amazing organization, but his story isn't about natural born sales talent, but about passion in believing in a vision, perseverance, and the willingness to embrace sales as a path to realize his vision. How can you as a founder lead your venture to stellar sales? even if you may feel a little bit unsure of your own sales job. Here's something that has worked for me. Number one is to lead with passion. Let your genuine passion for your product or service shine through. People connect with stories and sincerity. 
and your enthusiasm can be much more persuasive than any old sales script. A lot of that old sales nonsense doesn't work anymore anyway. But have conversation. Why do you do what you do? Tell me it's more than just to get rich. 95% of the founders I know are incredibly passionate about the problem they solve for their customers. And that is why they win. Passion about solving and serving, not just about dollars and exits. And that comes through and that creates sales. Second is to have a plan. Sales may feel a little bit foreign, but it's a skill that can be learned. So invest time in understanding sales strategies, customer psychology, and negotiation. Knowledge is power. And the more, the more confident you'll feel when you're out there in the field having those conversations. Which plan, which methodology, which, which should I use? And I think it depends. They all work in the right environment to one degree or another. But focus on your customer's buying process first. Don't just say, I'm going to go pick this latest and greatest strategy because it's cool or I read this book or somebody else used it and it worked well. But align that to your customer's buying process. So understand their buying process first and then take your sales strategy and align your strategy to their buying process. Don't just create a sales prospect. Don't just create a sales process and expect prospects to know their lines because they don't. And number three is surround yourself with a supportive team. Now, while you're honing your sales skills, build a team that complements your strengths and weaknesses. That's good advice no matter what you're building. Strong team can bolster areas where you might not feel as confident. Maybe sales is one of those, but it allows you to learn and grow together. Most importantly, get in community with fellow entrepreneurs, mentors, friends who understand the journey, I mean, the entrepreneurial journey, because it's a crazy thing. And it's a get around people that are doing the same thing, building other cool things along with you. Share your rejections, listen to theirs. Sometimes just knowing that you're not alone on the journey can reinvigorate your spirit and spark new ideas. Overcoming a fear of sales is not about becoming someone else. It's about evolving into the best version of yourself. It's your own style. Not just taking what somebody else does and, and trying to emulate that, but be you. Let you shine through in that process. Celebrate every win, even the small wins. Every yes, no matter how small, is a testament to your progress. Celebrate those victories. Stack them on top of each other with passion and learning and the right support. You can transform your trepidation into triumph. So here's to turning what once seemed like a weakness into one of your greatest strengths. And this is my friend we were having coffee with. I'll bet you're actually a lot better than you think already. Our expert last week was Ollie Wood, founder of The Body Reset. Ollie shared insights into how to run your body like a business. Helpful, actionable, and insightful. Great perspective. Love talking with Ollie. Our founder last week kicking off 2024 was Alan Smith. He is now VP of Venture Development at FutureSight Ventures. We talked about how missteps in understanding business models and value propositions nearly derailed his dreams. And he shared the pivotal strategies that transformed his focus from building products to building empires. My guest today is Andrea Waltz, co-founder of Courage Crafters and best-selling author of Go For No, revolutionizes rejection in sales and business, teaching a counterintuitive strategy that has been embraced globally for nearly two decades. 
a luminary among sales influencers and a member of women's sales pros. Her work transforms no from a setback to a pathway to success, impacting industries worldwide with her books and renowned go for no methodology. I'm ready to say yes to Andrea Walls. Hey, Andrea, welcome to SAS Fuel. Hey, it is so good to be with you, Jeff. Tell me a little bit about Courage Crafters and how you came up with that idea. It's a fantastic company name. Yeah, cool. Thank you. It's funny. My husband and I decided that we would be Courage Crafters because we met and worked at Lens Crafters. And when we launched our own company after leaving Lens Crafters, we were like, what should the company name be? And then we came up with Courage Crafters because the thing that we teach is to help people overcome their fear of failure and rejection. It made sense that it would be Courage Crafting and we didn't want to just pigeonhole ourselves into something really narrow. So it's a little broad, right? It's, it captures <laughs> the essence of what we do. So how do we get rid of that fear of failure? That's a great topic. <laughs> It is a great topic. And I think for your listeners who are probably technically minded and high achieving type A personality, some of them, maybe a lot of them perfectionists, the idea of failure is very frustrating, of course, and no one wants to fail just for failure's sake. And right. I know that in the tech world, failure is, oh, it's this lauded thing. And sometimes it people could get cynical about it and say, failure is not that great. Failure sucks. Failure is horrible. <laughs> and yet we, what we prescribe is that in order to be more successful, you have to be willing to fail. In order to innovate, to come up with new technologies, you have to test and try and there's constant failure. So failure and success are a package deal. They and are. because of that, and, and because of that, it's important not to fear failure, but to learn from it and really embrace it and to do it obviously in such a way that you don't want to do mist make mistakes that are unable to come back from, although sometimes that, that can happen too. Sure. You just look at Elon Musk. He is the perfect example of he his comments when some big rocket thing will explode and or have a what is, what is it? it's like unscheduled dis, unscheduled, unscheduled disassembly yeah yes <laughs> which is a great way to reframe that yeah. failure unscheduled disassembly so for your own failures you should you know that's what you should do is, is come up with a cool some cool language around that and i think so to your question i think when you can reframe the failure, look for the lessons, look for the good in it, see that it is such a package deal with success. And that if you want to have more success in your business, if you want to get more yeses in your business, you've got to be willing to fail or hear no more often. And that's really the heart of what we teach from a go for no standpoint. Yeah. And right. And so, so that's why um, I think that you can mitigate the fear of failure if you can find the benefit in it. That's really good. That, that's a hard lesson to learn, but it, it's so powerful that, that those really are two sides of the same coin. I mean, success and failure, and there, there are lessons in both, for sure. 
Yeah, absolutely. And sometimes those lessons are hard to find and it's frustrating yeah. <laughs> and all, all of those things. But when you look at the people that are the great innovators of our time, and when you look at people who win the awards and they get the accolades and they get the big successes, these are not people who sat around hoping that the phone would ring or not innovating. They're always right. the people that swing the fences and they go big and yeah, they go for it. So your book is, you said it a minute ago, it's actually called Go For No. Yes is the destination. No is how you get there, which again, very cool title. What does it mean to go for no? So go for no in its essence is not about just hearing no for no's sake, which is why I said yeah. we don't want to fail just right for failure's sake. But go for no is about understanding that if you want to hear yes more often, You've got to be willing to hear no. And so if you have a, a moment, and this could be a moment with a customer or a moment where you're asking for money for somebody to invest in your business, whatever it is, there's always that moment where, or asking for a meeting, somebody just to meet with you so you can share your idea. There's this moment that we have, we call it a go for no moment, where you could talk yourself out of it and say, I just don't want to look like an idiot. I don't want to feel awkward. I don't want to get embarrassed and come away with nothing. Or you could simply go for it, meaning you could go for a no, go for no, and be willing to face that no, but understand that the yes is also right behind it. It's right behind it. As we were talking, it's a package deal. And there's no way to, if, if you run your business and you're, whether you're a seasoned, somebody who's been in SaaS and you're seasoned at this, you're a veteran, or you're completely brand new, if you run your business always second guessing and always looking for that guaranteed yes, you're going to end up with a mediocre business that struggles. If you want to really succeed, you've got to be willing to face those no's. It doesn't mean go for no. And this is a really important clarification. Go for no doesn't mean, oh, I have to go out and expect a no. I just have to bang my head against the wall and I have to hear no a hundred times or 500 times or a thousand times. And yes, sometimes you do, especially in the beginning. Some, you get a lot more no's in the beginning as you are modifying your product and getting new and getting customers and going through that churn and everything that we go through when we're first starting a business. So yes, to some degree. But what I'm saying is you don't have to expect the no, but you do have to accept it as part of the mm. process. And there's a big distinction there. Yes, yes. And you actually talk about that in your book about no being a stepping stone toward success. Can you dive into that concept a little more? Yeah, absolutely. So it, it really goes hand in hand with this idea of failure and the fact that they are a package deal. And one of the things that we teach in relationship to no being a stepping stone to success is there's like strategies. One is just creating a no awareness, really asking yourself, like, how many no's do we hear? Are we hearing no's from our customers? Are we hearing, are we going out there and making presentations and making asks? And if you're not, if you aren't hearing no at all, I think there's a tendency 
for people in business to have this knee-jerk reaction like, we never hear no, we only hear yes, we're winning. And I would say, no, you're not winning, you're not playing big enough. You're playing, you're not playing not to, you're not playing to win, you are playing not to lose. You're being far more concerned with, oh good, we didn't get a no, we didn't fail, we didn't get a rejection, which is playing not to lose. You need to be playing to win. So create that no awareness and look at how many no's are we getting and how can we up that number? How can we start having more conversations, making more presentations, making more asks in that moment? So that's the tactical way to literally fail your way to success is to start executing on your go for no moments. And I always like to look at what other people do in other professions and other businesses and industries and say, okay, how do they get successful? What makes them successful? And when you look at actors, performers, artists, they make a lot of art and they also go out and they're, and they fail constantly. You've never heard of an, right. You know, you've never heard of an actor who says, yeah, I went on one audition And that was it. I I got the role. And for the rest of my life, it was just like I was working with all these amazing stars. No, you hear about horrible auditions and scraping by and, and doing it over and over again. And this is true with any performer. Right. So why would it be different in your industry or any industry, writing, publishing? It's everywhere. And I think now with competition especially in the SaaS world. Oh my gosh, the competition is fierce because technology is now, people are able to get into a game that they previously couldn't get into because they couldn't play. I think, is that fair? Yes, absolutely. And so you're going to, with the competition, you've got to have this mindset. Otherwise, and I guess you could call it the numbers game philosophy, the numbers game mindset. You have to see a certain number of people and it's like a big funnel. And the more people you put at the top of the funnel and people say no throughout the process. And then at the very bottom, you've got some loyal customers and some people who love you and love your product. And and that's what you have to work through. So creating a no awareness, Jeff, is one thing. And in that stepping stone path, the other thing that's really important is, is setting a goal for the number of no's you're going to hear, which sounds crazy, yeah. <laughs> but we set goal, we set yes goals. And I think in general goal, those types of goals are really important. The thing is that when you set a yes goal, that actually can limit your performance. That actually mm. can hold you back. And the reason I say that is what happens when you hit your yes goal is maybe you say, okay, we have a goal. We want to get a hundred new customers this month hundred new signups or whatever. And so you're going along and maybe by the 15th of the month, you've got the hundred. So what does everyone do with the rest of the month? They right. slack off, right? right? They're like, okay, we're, we got the hundred, we hit quota. That's all we need to do. And they took what could have been an amazing month and ended up being mediocre because why we let the yeses run things instead of being focused on the behaviors necessary to be successful. In this case, it's actually hearing no more often. 
So we suggest setting a no goal. You don't have to completely throw out your yes goal, but set a goal for the number of no's you're going to get. So instead of saying, let's go for 100 new customers this month, it's let's hear 300 no's to whatever, wherever in the process. Maybe it's to a debt, maybe it's 300 no's to just the demo. Maybe it's 300 no's to the very top of the funnel prospecting activity. Hey, would you like to take a look? Wherever it is in your process, though, when you do that, you don't focus on the yeses as much. The yeses come more naturally. They come more stress-free. They come as a byproduct of you being in activity and making presentations and sharing the features and benefits of your product and doing all the things that you know you need to do to be successful without just saying, okay, let's just get to that yes milestone and then we'll, we can kick back for a bit. And it's a way to gamify it. Yeah. Uh, I, I really need to take this concept and gamify it. I haven't done that yet because I am not a tech person. <laughs> so I need a tech person to help me with this. But in the most basic sense, you just can hash mark out and count your nose. And that's what we teach people to do. Set a no goal and just count them as you go. And when you hit that no goal, that's when you should celebrate. I like that. I've never heard anybody say set a, a no goal. And the, the first time I think I heard about any kind of rejection, something like that, I have a, a friend, Zha Zhang, who wrote a book called Rejection Proof. Yes. And, and his yes. goal was to go get rejected 100 days in a row and wrote a book about the journey. And it's just like one of those things that is just a crazy type of goal. And it was amazing some of the results and, and how many times he thought he was going to get a no and got a yes. That's right. Yeah. His book, Rejection Proof, which yeah. was about that, yeah, that whole experience. I know him as well. I'm not like close friends with him or anything, but I'm aware of him. And I remember when he was doing that project, he actually requested people to send suggestions to him. So I, yes. I remember <laughs> requesting a couple or telling him a couple of things. I was like, hey, you should ask a ask a police officer if you can sit in the front seat of their car. <laughs> uh, I think he did that one. He did. Yes, I think he, he did. did. Yeah. He sure did. Yeah. And they're like, okay. Yeah. Right? So it's, it's amazing what we ask for. And we, when we're bold enough to do that and, and ask for things and really be willing to put ourselves out there and take that risk, how many yeses we get, even in things we think there's no way possible that, that this could happen. Exactly. And that's, so that's why when we first started this conversation, I was saying the people in your industry, in the SaaS world, are like fans of technology. They like things that are predictable. They're yep. probably perfectionist driven people. And so when it comes to like human behavior and it comes to the whole idea of failing, it's not really that palatable. And I mean, failing not for innovation's sake, because they're probably okay with that. Like they probably get that idea of trying and trying, Sure. but it's that other type of failure. And it's the idea that they do want to, they do strive for that perfection. And so when you're striving per for perfection, what you sometimes do is you shut down that opportunity to have serendipity, to have crazy, interesting things happen. And that's what I think jaw that guy did so well yes. was just like going for it, just asking for crazy things. 
And one of my favorite definition of confidence, which was something I learned from Jack Canfield, who wrote the book, The Success Principles. And he also is the guy, one of the guys behind the Chicken Soup for the Soul series. And I interviewed, yeah, and I interviewed him one time and I asked him, actually, he brought up this up. We were talking about rejection and failure. And he said his definition of self-confidence was that self-confidence was built through the successfully survived risk, which Hmm. I love. And notice that it's not the successful result. It's the successfully survived risk. So it's when you make those asks, you go for no, you get a yes, you get a no. It doesn't matter. What matters is that you made the attempt right? and that you survived and that it's not that big a deal and all of your worst fears didn't come true. <laughs> and even if a couple fears came true, you're probably not dead. You're probably right. still alive. Yeah. And that's the thing. That's the other part of that stepping stone question that you asked such a good question is when you do those things when you go for no and when you hit that no goal that celebration is really important because we are all really good at celebrating yeses right celebrating the big wins it's not hard to get everyone in the office to go out and celebrate if you landed some major deal or got some big customer of course you're going to do that But how many times would you celebrate somebody who got 100 no's in a row, but who kept a good mindset and kept going and hopefully learned from those no's and figured out, okay, based on this, all these no's, can I do this better? Can can I change the messaging up? How can we improve finding our ideal client here? Like all of the stuff that you hope to learn. So that needs to be celebrated. And that celebration part is is really important because it's part of the reprogramming process that the reprogramming Mm, of your thoughts. You could use a little encouragement on your SaaS journey from fellow B2B SaaS founders. Check out Champion Leadership Group. It's the ultimate resource for SaaS founders and C-suite executives to continue to develop themselves, scale their companies, and never walk alone on the journey. We're kicking off a new growth accelerator, Scale Up, this month, and I would love for you to be a part of that. When you've navigated the startup storms and emerged victorious, now it is time to elevate from success to significance. Our B2B accelerator is for companies aiming to scale up from a million ARR to 10 to 20 in ARR or more, or exit anywhere along the way there. No fluff, just the hard-hitting strategies you need at the right time. We focus on capital-efficient growth, profitability that lasts, we call that future-proof, and achieving the kinds of valuation that's not just impressive, but impactful. You'll gain access to a network of peers, custom growth roadmap, and the kind of operational excellence that frees you to focus on what really matters. Plus, enjoy the success you've built. It's time to step beyond the day-to-day grind to lead with vision and live with freedom. If you're ready to not just lead your market, but redefine it, visit championleadership.com. It's where leaders evolve and companies transform. Apply to join the next cohort. Now is the time to scale up. Championleadership.com. Yeah, I think mindset has so much to do with that. As failure and rejection, it's really hard to handle emotionally. 
And so how do we make that shift in the, the mindset to embrace the idea of failure and look at it as a learning opportunity? So in the book, Go For No, we've got a model of failure and success, and it's a really simple model. The old model is where we are on one side and failure is on the left of us and success is on the right of us. And we think there's, excuse me, I said we're on one side, we're in the middle. Failure is on one side, success is on the other. And we think that we have to make that choice where we're going to either go to success or go to failure. And the model that we should be operating with is that we're on one side, failure, rejection, hearing the word no is in the middle and success and getting to those yeses is on the other side. I like that. And yeah, and then we have to move through those rejections and we have to move through that failure. And I think that with the advent of social media over the last 20 years, and you see what you you only see the highlight reel, right? right. You, you only, we it's all hard. only, yeah, you only see the successes. You have people on LinkedIn who are like, yeah, I, just, I brought in six figures, seven figures. We're doing this. We're doing that. We're building all these things. And you think, wow, I'm the only one who's getting no's, who's struggling, who's trying to figure this out. And so as a result, you think I shouldn't have to go through those no's. I shouldn't be going through this rejection. I must be doing something wrong. I need to go the other way. There's a different way to do this. And unfortunately, that's just not true. The problem is you're not seeing what everybody else is doing. You're seeing the successes. You're not seeing the failures. You've got right. to move. You've got to move through them, like everybody else has to move through them. And I, I wish there was. Yeah, yeah. I, I wish there was a better explanation. I wish there was a better strategy. Yeah, and it can feel pretty lonely as an entrepreneur when you're seeing everybody else have successes and and you're seeing the highlight reels and it's just the tip of the iceberg. That's what, you, and then you're like, how come everything is wrong in my company? What's wrong with me? Why are things not working out like it is with them? Because everything is obviously awesome over there, but the reality is it's not. That's right. You, yeah, you don't know what's going on. Yeah. <laughs> you really don't. So we have to be very careful, I think, of how uh, of you have to embrace this model, and then you have to be careful of what you're really looking at, what you're putting in your head. And what you're just allowing to filter in, I think you're just better off building a wall around yourself and saying, I'm going to put my head down, get advice from good people who you believe know what they're doing, test, test, keep trying as you go, because that testing is important. And, but the reason that model is so important is if I just came on the show and I said, Hey, everybody listening to this should just go for no. Like just start hearing no all the time. (laughs) (laughs) They would very quickly be deflated and say, this doesn't work. This is a crazy mind. This is a crazy mindset, crazy strategy. And that's why that failure model is so important because the knee jerk reaction when you start hearing no is to assume that you're doing something wrong. It is to say, I need to stop. I need to turn around. I'm not going in the right direction. But it's really the smart people who figured it out. No, I need to go, keep going through those no's. And that's when I'll get to those yeses. Yeah. So how do you strike that balance between encouraging individuals to go for no and still maintaining a healthy level of self-esteem, self-worth? 
Yeah, that the self-esteem, self-worth thing, I'm glad you brought that up because that is something that after teaching Go For No for now over 20 years, I have come to the conclusion that is the, I guess you'd say the Achilles heel. It's the underlying challenge with the entire concept. We will go speak to an audience of a thousand people, let's say. And there's always one person at the very end who will come up to us and say, hey, I just want you guys to know, I'm glad you were here, but I have no problem hearing the word no. I'll hear no all day long. It rolls off my back like water off a duck's back. I have no problem with it. (laughs) Everyone else has a problem with it, but I don't. There's always one person. They're a sociopath. (laughs) They're a sociopath. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. I always... Richard and I, my husband and I wrote Go For No together, we always say we could have never written and could never talk about it if we ourselves didn't struggle with rejection. If it was like, oh, yeah. who cares? Go for it. It's so easy. Just don't let rejection <laughs> phase you. Don't take it personally. So there is always that one person who has no problem with it, and they are rare and good for them. And then you have the rest of us who are like, how do we get through the the self-worth part and the self-esteem? Because you can't help but look for your value through whether you're successful, whether you're getting yeses and nos and all of that. You can't help it. And so that's when you really have to get objective and learn how to not take no personally. So there's an interesting phrase that I picked up. This phrase wasn't in the book, but this is what I've gleaned over the years because I've really studied this one book. And it's called The Four Agreements by Don Miguel Ruiz. And one of the four agreements... One of them is about being impeccable with your word. One of them is really important for your listeners as well. And I'll share that in just a second. But what the other of the agreements is don't take things personally. And the thing that I've gleaned from this over the years is you can't take it personally. Um, It's not about you, even if it's about you, which sounds crazy. What does that even mean? But when somebody has a preference for something like you could walk into a ice cream store and say, I want to get the jalapeno pecan ice cream. Should the vanilla ice cream feel bad? Should the chocolate ice cream feel bad? Why didn't she pick us? No, it's just because you have a preference for something, the way something is, the way something works, the way, whatever your expectations of what something should cost. And so these are all preferences that we've got to really get out of the way of and learn to depersonalize it and say, these preferences are that person's and it has everything to do with them and nothing to do with us. And so I think the tough part is that we, when things are good, when we have good feedback, we want to internalize it and say, oh, that's, that's all about me. And I can use that to feel good about myself. And then if you have some bad comments, then you also use that to feel bad about yourself. And so what I'm suggesting is you can't use any of it. The good comments, the bad comments, none of it has anything to do with you. You can't take 
any of it personally. It all has to do with that other person, which is why I go back to, it's not about you, even if it's about you, <laughs> which sounds, again, so weird, but that's true. If you're willing to just embrace the fact that what's going on for other people is irrelevant, you just do the best you can and find your self-worth and your self-esteem in that. That said, I think too, working on your self-esteem is a whole nother show, Jeff, because it comes down to your psychology and working through some issues that we all have from growing up. And so I think that there is a, a small group of people who, when they hear go for no, it makes sense logically, but they really struggle with the execution. And that is where the self-esteem comes in. So I think the, the, the very last piece of it is that there are a certain percentage of people who, when they hear go for no, they, it sounds great theoretically, but right. when they start putting it into practice and start hearing no, their self-esteem is really deeply enmeshed with that rejection and so sometimes I think having an outside, having outside help, having a therapist or whatever, in other words, going deeper into your psychology, I think is helpful because the philosophy can only do so much. And we see such a spectrum of people who have no issue to where people are debilitated. And probably the biggest thing I tell people though, is they'll say like, Andrea, I cannot pick up the phone can just cannot, literally, I cannot pick up the phone. It, you know, the phone weighs a right. thousand pounds and all that kind of stuff. And I say, you've got to get rid of your perfection because that's usually the main hangup is that people are unwilling to fail, look awkward and be imperfect. They care way yeah. too much about what that other person on the phone thinks of them. And the reality is that person on the other end of the phone doesn't think of you or care about you at all right. and, <laughs> unless you can solve their problem and help them out with something. And in that case, they're all ears. They'd like to hear from you. Yes. What can right. you help me with? Help my life. I don't really care about your life. So we have to remember that too. We get so caught up in, in what's going on in our world and what other people are going to think. And they, they're not. Exactly. It, yeah. Yeah. What do you think about a positive mindset? Is that something that is it something that is deeper than just having a positive mindset or is there something more than that? So, go for no sounds very negative, right? It sounds okay, you want me to just go in and hear a bunch of no's. We talked about that. How you need to accept no as part of the process. But I think having a positive mindset is incredibly helpful and you should do both. You should go for no as a strategy, but you should also go into it with a very positive outlook. I, I call it like go for no, but have yes energy. There's a whole psychology and your listeners have probably heard stuff like this. Like before you go into a meeting, you don't want to sit there and envision the person that you're going to talk to saying no to you and rejecting you and throwing you right. out of the office. Right. That would be crazy. But can you go in and say, I'm going to do the best presentation I have with the most energy I have. And this is one of those other agreements that's in the book, The Four Agreements, that I mentioned that I would talk about. And that is don't make assumptions. So never decide for someone else about what they're going to do, what they can afford to spend, 
what they're going to decide. We just don't know. So go into your conversations with your customers, your prospects, your if you're trying to raise money. Go into all those conversations with yes energy, with a positive, this could be life-changing because anyone, yes, can be life-changing. Absolutely. So what role in, do you think? Yeah. So my point is go into it that way and then whatever the answer is, accept it and then figure out, okay, what can I do next? I like that. What role do you think resilience plays in dealing with failure and rejection? I think resilience is so key. And resilience to me is the characteristic, it's the after effect, if you will, of the experience of rejection. And it's really the thing that's built through going through those rejections. And if you are protecting yourself and not allowing yourself to hear no, and always trying to figure out and second guess who will say yes to you, without having to experience the pain of the nose and the pain of the rejection, then you're not going to build up that resilience. You're not going to have that chance to become that anti-fragile, that where the wind, you're a tree and the wind is blowing you and blowing you over and you, your roots go deeper. That's always the visual I have yes. with resilience. Yeah. So I think I think by going for no, by facing your facing that failure and being willing to fail and wanting to, one of the things that we tell people, we have a, a model of the five levels of failure in our book, and level three is the wantingness to fail. First level is the ability to fail. The second level is the willingness. The third is the wantingness. And if your head hits the pillow at night and you didn't hear at least one no then you're not playing big enough. You are probably mm, playing wow. not to lose. You're playing not to lose. You want to think about what did, what ask did I make today where I was willing to face that no, I was willing to get it. And whether you did or didn't, it doesn't matter, but that you made the attempt. That's big. Because if we're playing big, then we're definitely going to hear that. And if we're not, then we're leaving a lot out there that, that we should be pursuing. Absolutely. We live much bigger lives than we think. I like that really playing to win versus playing to lose. Yeah. And if you don't mind, the last two levels, by yes. the way. Yeah, we got to have um, the last two levels. We got to have the last two levels. Let's close the open loop here. Yes. <laughs> so, so the fourth level is failing bigger and faster. So if you are getting, if you find that you are getting a lot of easy yeses, so easy yeses produce little successes. I think Zig Ziglar said that. So if you're getting a lot of easy yeses, then maybe it's time to up the game. If you're not, if you're not hearing no, maybe it's time to raise the pricing or change the model and start hearing some more no's. So that is a, a way of going bigger. And then the failing faster is just, can you increase the speed? Can you talk to more people? How can you get your message out there on, on, a, on a bigger level and a bigger playing field? And then level five is failing exponentially. And that is doing it as a team. So if individual failure leads to individual success, then obviously group or team 
failure would lead to group or team success. So having everybody on the page of using the go, go for no mindset and saying, okay, how can we use this in our day-to-day activities? What kind of asks can we make? And one, one fun exercise is just to list all of your go for no moments, like all of the moments where you have the opportunity to hear no from a customer or whatever through your whole process and say, we should ask this, we should ask that. And it's not SAS, but like the perfect example is like the guy who came over to fix my garage a couple months ago throughout the super nice guy, like super nice. Um, and technically like really good, but never once he had all these go for no moments. Didn't ask me for a review. Didn't ask me for a referral. Like, Hey, here's my card. Do you have, you know, if your neighbors ever have a issue, would you be willing to give them my card? Um, because the people in our neighborhood are like, we are insane about referring each other to, to businesses. He doesn't know that, but like, it's a no brainer referral. And so think about in your business, all of those opportunities where you could have a customer say, no, I won't refer you or no, I, you know, I I won't do this or I won't do that. Um, There's all of these great asks or, hey, would you be willing to do a survey for us? Would you be willing to be a beta tester on something? There's so many opportunities. There's so many go for no moments. And most businesses are not taking advantage of those. That is such a good point. And, and you're exactly right. Just thinking about in my day, how often am I missing opportunities in those go for no moments? I'm going to start looking for those. And I like that you said make a list. And like yeah. in the process. Yeah, you have to make a list because going back to what we talked about earlier, you have to have the awareness. It's, it's right. funny. I do this thing called the go for no 21 day challenge where people are challenge themselves to see how many no's they can get in 21 days. And it can be in any category throughout their business, any go for no moment they want to track. And, but the people that are not great at it, don't, they're not, they haven't created the mindset. So the whole day goes, comes and goes. And at the end of the day, they go, Oh, I never asked for anything. I never heard. No, I, I didn't go for no. And the reason is, is it's not, they're not paying attention. They didn't make their list and they didn't say, okay, every time I talk to a prospect or every time I talk to a customer, I need to make sure to ask these things. I need to ask these questions. And we all know McDonald's was built on the, would you like fries with that phrase? Exactly. You would never, can you even imagine not being asked most fast food places are smart to ask you, do you want the apple pie? Do you want this? Do you want that? They know that just wildly increases the sales because they planted the seed. So we need to do that as well. Very, very simple questions with multi-million dollar results. Yeah. And these, I'm glad you said that. These asks don't need to be complicated. And you don't want them to be. Like if you can simplify your asks, you should. Yeah, it makes it really easy. Given that the cultural aspect, yeah, I think there's a maybe a perception of failure, rejection out there that people are like, I don't want to do that. How do we change that uh, as individuals for ourselves? How do we change it for our teams and then overcome the challenges to where they really do see those as opportunities? And how do we make that more acceptable in culture? 
Such a good question. And for me, I believe that it is destigmatizing failure. That is the one, the big way. And mostly we, how do we do that? It's by telling stories and by being willing to talk about what I call the elephant in the room, that, that failure and rejection and the fear of it is the elephant in the room. Because if you sit around in a meeting and everybody's okay, sales are down, we are struggling, what do we do? Nobody's raising their hand and going, hey, I don't know about the rest of you, but I have a tremendous fear of failure or I have a tremendous fear of rejection. I hate when customers or our prospects are telling me, no, I can't stand it. Nobody is willing to admit that. So if we can talk about it and if enlightened leaders can say, yeah, let's talk about it and let's deal with the issue. Let's work through our issues. Let's work through our go for no moments. Let's come up with them and then let's figure out what are some of the questions that we can be asking to execute on these. And hey, if you you get 100 no's, if you get 200 no's, let's support that person instead of making it look shameful. Let's say, okay, either A, it's you're doing the right things. You just got in a slump and a grind and that happens to everybody or B, okay, that's a lot. Let's look at your messaging. What are you saying? What? <laughs> so there's some kind of disconnect here that we're not getting across to our customers. So let's change that up. That kind of reaction to rejection, that kind of response to failure from leaders is the way that we change it. I think in, in the workplace, culturally, it's really interesting because this is the same around the world. I hear from people in all kinds of countries sure, like Nigeria and Japan and Iceland, you name it, Ireland. I've heard from people all over the world. So this is a human thing because we're biologically wired to not be rejected to not get thrown out of the tribe, so to speak. Right. It's wired, it's wired in all of us. And so getting rid of it completely will never go away. And it even doesn't go away with technology because the feelings are still the same. Yes. Even if y'all know that, if somebody texts you something rude or they reject you over text, it feels the same. Yes, it does. And even if it's actually easier to do that, of course, than it is to be rude in person, because in person is a totally different dynamic. But the feelings of rejection are the same. So the technology isn't making it any easier. We still have to deal with that elephant in the room. Yeah. So wrapping up, what is one moment that you've had that uh, you were bold and, and you went for a no and you were surprised and got an amazing yes? So probably my favorite story around this is when my husband and I and I first launched our company, we went to a big trade show, a big convention, and there was like this networking event where I knew that a lot of our ideal prospects would be there. And I saw a woman across the room and she was with this big company. And I thought, okay, if I should approach her and Immediately, I was trying to also talk myself out of it. <laughs> like, this is your classic go for no moment. I should approach her. Also, don't approach her. What are you doing? Right. You're just going to be an idiot. And then I said, no, I came all this way. We spent all this money to come to this thing. I've got to approach her. So I walked up, I handed her a copy of 
um, our book. She was also like a foot shorter than me. And yet in my head, she was like 10 feet tall because that's how intimidated (laughs) I felt. That's how out of my league I felt. And we had a very brief conversation, a really nice conversation. And she was like, everything you're telling me sounds really interesting. I think we could actually work together. Here's my business card. And uh, she said, hey, also, do you do distance learning? And I was like, yeah, absolutely. We do distance learning. And then I ran through the conference room and found Richard. And I was so excited. I'm like, I just talked to this woman and I got her business card. And I think she wants to work with us. And she asked if we do distance learning. And he goes, what's distance learning? And I said, I have no idea, (laughs) but we are going to find out. Don't worry. And we did end up getting that business. So that's what we're talking about. Executing on those moments. I love that. Where can people learn more about you online? I encourage people just to come to gofornode.com. And if they type in go for no book, they'll go to the book on Amazon. It's a really short 80 page read, super simple. And yeah, start there. Outstanding. We'll make sure to link all of that in the show notes. Thank you. This was really a super fun conversation. I hope it's helpful to people. Yes. Thank you for being on SAS Fuel. Thanks again, Andrea, for coming on the show and sharing your journey and resources. Now, I love advice that sounds counterintuitive. And then when you dig in, it makes perfect sense. You're like, why haven't we been doing this all along? It's just a different way of looking at things. You can learn more about Andrea at gofornow.com. And be sure to pick up a copy of her book, too. It's Go For No. Yes is the destination. No is how you get there. And it's available on audio. I, I grabbed it. It's, uh, it's cheap. It's a no-brainer buy. So you get it whether you like print or Kindle, like eBooks or audio, whatever you want. It is out there. Grab a copy and uh, you will be really happy you did. All links, highlights, resources, and full show notes are available at sasfuel.com. Subscribe and share the podcast. I appreciate it greatly. Our team appreciates that. And the person you share it with will appreciate it as well. Everyone who shares this week, Gets a canopy of confidence, a shield of serenity. Looks like an ordinary umbrella, but it is infused with a positive aura that protects you from the downpour of doubts and stormy weather of rejection. Open it up, stroll confidently through any challenge. Join us Thursday on our SaaS Fuel Expert Series where my guest is Kenneth Berger. He was an early hire at Slack and founder who works with startup leaders to prevent burnout take a stand for the life they want, and leave their unique mark on the world. We'll be talking about the Big Ask Blueprint. Very cool stuff. And the next Tuesday, we have Chris Strahl, the CEO and co-founder of Knapsack, an enterprise software platform that unites product, design, and engineering teams in one workspace. It is an amazing product and and a pretty incredible founder journey as well. You're going to love the conversation with Chris. I'll see you next time. And as always, enjoy the journey. Thanks for listening to SAS Fuel. Full show notes for each episode, which includes a summary, key takeaways, quotes, and any resources mentioned are available at sasfuel.com. Be sure to follow and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you're enjoying the content and getting value from these episodes, please leave us a rating and review at ratethispodcast.com slash sasfuel. We'll be sure to read these out on future episodes. Let's go!